Shalom, this is Reverend John Ferret, and welcome to our new series, The Archaeology of Shavuot, or as it's most commonly known in the church, Pentecost. It's a new series since Pentecost is coming soon. Recording it now, uh, Pentecost is going to be Sunday, May 31st in the year 2020. However, the lesson itself, even though I'm recording it at this time, is going to be a lesson for all time. But first, before we begin, I wanted to thank many of you for your amazing donations to Light of Menorah. You guys, without you, this does not happen. I, I wanted to thank you guys so much for that. Nobody gets a salary in Light of Menorah. All of your donations, 100%, go into the ministry and the expenses for the ministry. Now you can donate to Light of Menorah at the website www.lightofmenorah.org and remember Menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H M-E-N-O-R-A-H so it's www.lightofmenorah all one word, no spaces, .org You'll see it on the right side, a place to donate. You can click there, and you can donate online, or right at that place where you can donate, I do have the mailing address, so you can actually mail it in if you don't want to donate online. So again, thank you guys so much for your donations to Light of Menorah. Second, we are all called to be disciples of Yeshua, disciples of Jesus. In other words... And we'll talk about this probably in a truth nugget or maybe uh, in another separate lesson. What does it mean to be a disciple? In essence, it's this. A disciple followed a rabbi in Jesus' day. In the Hebrew culture then, a disciple wanted to be what their rabbi is. So a disciple wants to be an imitation of Jesus, the imitation of Christ. So we're going to be disciples of Jesus. That's first. Second, we're we're supposed to go and make disciples. In relationship to this, please uh, use these podcasts as tools under the inspiration of Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, in your work as a disciple to go and make disciples. I, I, I hope they're beneficial. And don't forget our Facebook page. There's a link again on the website. Right there on the right-hand side, uh, very close to where the donation link is. And you can go to the Facebook page and you can link our Facebook page to your Facebook page and so on, again, to let other people go deeper in their walk with Jesus as we go deeper in our faith, trying to connect to those people 2,000 and 3,000 years ago, to what they heard and what they understood. Now, Pentecost is Greek for 50 now, in the Bible, it's called the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot. So there's two words there, Pentecost and Shavuot. I'll probably use it being Shavuot, mostly. We read about this in Leviticus 23, verses 15 through 22. And I'm reading from the New American Standard version of the Bible. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. 
you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering, made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Along with the bread you shall present seven one-year-old male lambs without defect, and a bull of the herd and two rams. They are to be a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. You shall also offer one male goat for a sin offering, and two male lambs, one year old, for a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall then wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering with two lambs before the Lord. They are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On this same day you shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It is to be a perpetual statute in your dwelling places throughout your generations. Now, just as an aside, when you're reading these verses, it does not say anywhere that Shavuot, Pentecost, is a Sabbath. Again, the Pharisees actually made up that oral law because they said if we treat this like a Sabbath, following all the stipulations and commands and laws of a Sabbath, that means we will keep this feast day, Shavuot, according to the Torah, building the fence again around the Torah. So Shavuot among the Pharisees was considered a Sabbath, but according to his word, it's not. So Shavuot or Pentecost is the day after the seventh week or day 50. So there are seven complete Sabbaths or seven Sabbath weeks, and it ends in Shavuot. But we notice a countdown. The countdown starts on the Feast of First Fruits or the Feast of Bickering. Now the Pharisees said this count will begin the day after the first day of unleavened bread. The first day of unleavened bread, it begins at sundown after the Passover lambs have been sacrificed. That's when they have their Passover meal. We Christians call it the Jewish Seder. And the next day, they would start the Omer count. So that's when they said it was going to happen because they considered the first day of unleavened bread a Sabbath. The Sadducees disagreed. Uh, they did not go along with this. They said the day of unleavened bread uh, is not a Sabbath. It does not say that in God's word. The Sadducees are right. So the Sadducees say we should begin the count on the Sunday after the regular Sabbath, weekly Sabbath during the Passover week. Now, the JPS Torah com Commentary, the Jerusalem Publication Society Torah Commentary, an amazing commentary, Jewish commentary on the Torah, they go through an amazing analysis of the Hebrew, and it's clear the Pharisees' view is not correct according to the biblical Hebrew. We understand what they're doing. We understand why. So the count, according to the JPS Torah Commentary, starts on Sunday after the weekly Sabbath of the Passover week. And I know Orthodox Jews would vehemently disagree with this, but again, uh, they're going basically on the interpretation of the Pharisees. 
and indeed the interpretation of the Pharisees is not correct, but we can understand it. I, I, I want you to check out the article from my book. The book is called The Spring Feast of Adonai, The Shadows of the Messiah. And I provided a link on the website at www.lightamenorah.org. Remember, Light of Menorah is all one word, no spaces. And I go into detail on this controversy between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how it relates to us today. But if it's 30 or 33 AD, and you'll see that in that article, the count of the Pharisees and the count of the Sadducees probably would be in sync. And if you go into the article, you'll see the reasoning behind that. Also, if you listen to the series, The Archaeology of Passover, we find out that the first day of the Omer count, Jesus rose from the dead. I strongly suggest that you listen to the entire series, The Archaeology of Passover. But if you haven't got time, at least listen to Lesson 3 on The Archaeology of Passover. I provided the link in the product description, or, or in the session description, this session description, at the website. And in Lesson 3 of the Archaeology of Passover, I focus on the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Bikarim, and the Resurrection Day, how they're connected. And uh, again, I provided that link for you in this session's description on the website. So, these are all related. It's God is connecting these feasts together. We have a countdown from Passover, I mean from, from the Passover season to the Feast of Shavuot. God seems to want us to get ready. Now, among many religious Jews, Shavuot is called the culmination or completion of Passover. At the homercalendar.net, which is a Jewish website primarily talking about the Omer. You can read in there that Jewish people look upon the fact that we've got the first harvest and the second harvest. The first harvest of barley at Passover and the second harvest is wheat. Bread is the staple of their lives back 2,000 years ago. It, the bread of life. Bread represents life. And the earth has given birth. Has given birth to the barley harvest. Has given birth to the wheat harvest. God is giving the harvest of life. At another website called JEWFAQ, in other words, Jewish Frequently Asked Questions, it has another name, Judaism 101. They talk about today that many Jewish people look upon the connection between Passover and Pentecost, between Passover and Shavuot as remembering that they received freedom. God delivered them from the bondage of slavery out of Egypt. They were a new people and he brought them to Sinai to enter a new covenant, a brand new covenant by his grace giving them the Torah instruction and guidelines for how to live as his people. But now as disciples of Yeshua the countdown is going to be taking on another application. On the Feast of Bikarim, it was the beginning of the first grain harvest, barley. And 
obviously the Jewish people would be thanking God for the first fruits of the harvest. Two loaves of unleavened bread were made. Two large loaves of unleavened bread were made. And along with the other sacrifices and so on, the high priest would lift those two loaves before God. Basically, in thanksgiving to the Lord God for providing the bread of life. And Jesus rises from the dead on this feast. Jesus himself says that he's the bread of life. You can read about that in John chapter 6. On resurrection day, the feast of Bikurim, he is also lifted up before the Father. And those two unleavened loaves, to me, they represent like a picture. The picture of Jesus coming once and coming again as the true bread of life. Jesus is the first fruits of those who will rise from the dead. Now, Paul gets this. He knows this. He wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 20 and through 24. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who were asleep. Paul seems to be indicating to us that he knows the day that Jesus rose from the dead, the Feast of Bikarim, the Feast of First Fruits. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all we be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the, to the God and Father, whom he has abolished, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. Jesus is the first harvest. And us, we're the second harvest. And the second harvest continues until he returns, until the end. So again, we take a look at two harvests. At Passover, it's the first fruits of the barley harvest. At Shavuot, it's the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And both John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, and Jesus himself allude to the fact of the, of the Feast of Pentecost to the harvest of the church. Let's take a look. I'm going to Matthew 3, verse 12, and John writes, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear the threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Wheat. That's Shavuot. It's a picture of Shavuot. All those Jews then would get it. Definitely. The wheat harvest is the gathering of believers until the end. Jesus does the same thing in a parable form. We're going to go to Matthew 13, and starting in verse 24, we read about the parable of the tares among the grain. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. 
The slaves of the landover came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And then he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. Shavuot, Pentecost. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into my barn my barn you guys we are counting down to the wheat harvest you remember it's shavuot it's pentecost peter does a sermon i think you can read it in less than five minutes and three thousand people decide that jesus is the messiah that through jesus the forgiveness of the sins is given and they are the first fruits of the final harvest they're the first three thousand on Shavuot. It's the end of the beginning. And now it's the beginning of the end. And so we have a countdown. And the Jewish people, they count it very carefully. They even have a blessing each day of the Omer count. The blessing goes like this. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. And then on each day, there's a statement that's made. So, for instance, on day seven, after the blessing, one would say, Chayom Sheva Yamim, Shehem Shavua Echad Be'omer. Today is seven days, which are one week of the Omer. On the 49th day, the day before Pentecost, they would say the blessing. And then they would say, Chayom Tisa, Ve'arbaim Yom, Shehem Shiva Shavuot Be'omer. Today is 49 days, which are seven weeks of the Omer. Many religious Jews also will saw, uh, recite Psalm 67 also each day. And one of the reasons is, in Hebrew, it's the only psalm with exactly 49 Hebrew words, not English. Don't go to the English and start counting words. You've got to go to the Hebrew, to the Masoretic text. I suggest that you read it and start thinking about the time from Jesus' resurrection until it was ascension and see if you can see the connections in Psalm 67 to Jesus during those days. We'll look at it in the next lesson. But during the countdown, but during this countdown, starting from the Feast of Bikarim, that Sunday of resurrection, all the way to Shavuot, Jesus ascends to the Father. This happened in their day. He ascends to the Father somewhere on the Mount of Olives near Bethany. Let's take a look at that. I'm going to go to Luke 24, starting in verse 50. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Just as a note, I, this is going to be important later on, but I want to let you know that the 120 disciples that saw Jesus ascend to the Father, 
they went back to Jerusalem, they were not in fear. They were in the temple every day. They were not hiding in the upper room. And this is what's taught in many churches today. That on Pentecost, they're hiding in the upper room because they were scared of being persecuted just like Jesus was. But they're not. They're in the temple each and every day. Go to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood before them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This is Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now, the Bible is not precise where this happened. It's somewhere in the Mount of Olives. Uh, more than likely, it's at least a Sabbath, at least a Sabbath day's journey, which is about seven-tenths of a mile. Uh, you can read about that. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about the fact that they returned to Jerusalem. They returned to the upper room, uh, the guest room, where they had the Last Supper, the Passover meal of the Messiah. And it said that they return from the Mount of Olives, which is a Sabbath day's journey, which is about seven-tenths of a mile. Bethany is about 1.5 miles away from Jerusalem. So we could assume that someplace on the Mount of Olives to Bethany, someplace in there, that indeed that's where the location was. Today there are three separate locations that commemorate this event. And again, on the website... I provided a link or a links so that you can actually take a look at the pictures of these three sites. One is called the Chapel of the Ascension. This one's dated back to 392 AD. It was first a church, and now today it's a mosque. It's run by the Muslims. You can visit it today for a fee. The Muslims will let you go in. Anybody can go in. And it's said to have a stone slab with the footprint of Jesus. So when you look at the stone slab, the form of the stone looks as if there's a footprint there. And I've heard it said that because when Jesus ascended to heaven, um, his glory left his footprint on that rock. Well, that's a traditional story. I'm not sure, but exactly. The, the Chapel of the Ascension is one of those places. The other one is the Russian Orthodox Church of the Ascension. It's dated to the 19th century. It has a tall tower. It's one of the three tall towers on the Mount of Olives. If you were looking at the Mount of Olives from the west, so you're at the Jaffa Gate, uh, you're standing on the wall, uh, Suleiman's Wall, uh, now basically enclosing the old city, and you're looking at the Mount of Olives, you'll see three towers. The one on the right is for the Russian Orthodox Church of the Ascension. And it's one of three. So that one would be on the right if you're facing the Mount of Olives from the west. Dated to about the 19th century. It's about 200 meters east of the Chapel of the Ascension, the one that we talked about. And it was built primarily to commemorate uh, Jesus' Ascension. Then there's the German Lutheran Church of the Ascension. It was built by Kaiser Wilhelm II and named for his wife, Augusta Victoria. 
And matter of fact, that's what it's called today, the Hospital of Augusta, Augusta Victoria. It was first used as a hospital, it has a chapel in it, and that chapel uh, is the Lutheran Church that's inside Augusta Victoria to commemorate the Ascension. It has a large bell tower, Augusta Victoria, and it's the second tower. It'd be the middle tower on the Mount of Olives. So the first one is the Russian Orthodox Church of the Ascension. That'll be on your right if you're facing the Mount of Olives from the west. Then in the middle is the second tower, which is the Tower of Augusta Victoria. And the northernmost tower is at Hebrew University, their gigantic water tower. And those are the three towers on the Mount of Olives. And somewhere up there, someplace on the Mount of Olives, probably on this side of the town of Bethany, comes day 40. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, you can read that it Jesus appeared to them and he was doing signs among them for 40 days. So it's the 40th day. But we miss this as Christians. Yeah, day 40, but so what? The 40th day of the Omer. The 40th day of the countdown from the Feast of Bikarim to Shavuot. This is not taught in seminaries. So it's not our pastor's fault. The church primarily has really abandoned the historical context of his word. I think we need to recapture that. And especially taking a look and putting the Bible in context. The context of the Jewish culture of those days. The ascension of Jesus is intimately connected to the Omer count. Why 40? Why didn't Jesus rise from the dead on day 30? Or why didn't he rise from the dead on day, uh, day 33? Uh, we have a tradition in the church that Jesus was 33 years old when he uh, died. Or why didn't he rise on Pentecost itself? Why 40? And again... Us not understanding the Jewish culture, not understanding what was being taught in Jesus' day, we don't see these connections. But now we want to put that event back into its historical and cultural context. How did the 120 disciples, what did they see? What did they understand? This is to help us expand our understanding. We have a very good understanding of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yes, but there's more. And now we're beginning to see that Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Bikarim, and Shavuot are all connected together. Now the meaning of 40 in the Bible is associated with the letter Mem, like M in English. And I'm not going to be teaching the Hebrew alphabet, just uh, trust me to say that the, this is easy to look up. The letter Mem is assigned the number 40. And the rabbis say that the Mem, you'll have to take a look at this, and they say it's the picture of the womb. 40 represents the number which is the average time, 40 weeks, uh, the average time from conception to birth of a baby. So we take a look at the number 40, that indeed we see new life. Average 40 weeks of pregnancy. We see a new start after the flood. 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And there was a new start. New life began with Noah and his family. 
after 40 years in the wilderness of Sinai, the second generation of those who were coming out of Egypt were about to enter the promised land to establish the kingdom of Israel, the birth of a new nation. But then we go to the New Testament and we think about Jesus and his baptism. After his baptism, he spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. It's the beginning of his work. The birth of the ministry of Messiah. And now, Jesus ascends on day 40. Now I said, in 30 AD and 33 AD, it's very possible that the count of the Pharisees and the count of the Sadducees were in sync. Now, just to give you an example, on May 22nd, which is today, May 22nd, 2020, and this is not 38, 30 AD or 33 AD, the Pharisees say today, for instance, or in rabbinic Judaism, or in Judaism itself, uh, in Judaism they say today is day 42 of the count of the Omer. However, when we take a look at the Sadducee count, we take a look at the JPS Torah commentary, uh, the Hebrew text basically says today's 40. So May 22nd is the 40th day of the Omer in the year 2020. So for us, let us say the blessing. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. Hayom arbaim yom shehem kamesha shavuot vekamesha yamim laomer. Today is the 40th day, making five weeks and five days of the Omer. Jesus ascends on day 40. In Jesus' day, the first harvest, the earth gave birth to our bread of life. Certainly in the first harvest, the Feast of Bikurim, the time of the Passover, the earth gave birth to the first harvest of the grain offering, the barley harvest. And now we can say, yes, it's a picture. Because Jesus is the first harvest of the bread of life. The earth gave birth to the bread of life. And the second harvest is about to begin. The harvest of a new life in Jesus. Jesus is the first fruits. He's the bread of life. The process is now complete. The symbol of 40. The harvest has begun. Jesus is the first fruits. He's the first part of the harvest. Now came Shavuot, the wheat harvest. The picture of the final harvest of the disciples. And it goes on until he returns. Forty days. The picture of God's giving birth to life. God's giving birth to a new life, a new life in Jesus, for Jew and Gentile alike at Shavuot. Passover is complete in Pentecost. This is what we can grasp today. This what enhances our understanding of this season. Maybe it will change our commemoration of Pentecost. It's huge. Now he ascends. It's the 40th day of the Omer. There's 10 days left to the 50th day. 10, 9, 
eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Shavuot. I'll see you in lesson two. Shavuot.